if you see your plants one day looking fine and the next day they seem wilty and then the next day they seem even more wilty and it's not from a lack of water or too much water, this may be due to this fungus in the soil. Hey, I'm Karen, and together with my husband, I spent over a decade researching and learning and building our small farm through lots of trial and error, successes and failures. I went back to school to get my degree in horticulture to help our farm business, and now I want to pass all that knowledge on to you. Because I firmly believe that self-reliance is empowering, and that everyone, whether you've got a five-acre plot in the country, a half-acre lot in suburbia, or a windowless room in a downtown apartment, should just grow something. Hello, my gardening friends, and welcome back to the Just Grow Something podcast. This is episode 12, all about broccoli. We are going to dig deep into the subject of broccoli. And from here on out, all of these episodes that are specific to specific crops will sort of follow the same basic format. Um, We'll talk you know, we'll identify the scientific name and the plant family that the plant belongs to or the crop belongs to, give some basic information about the growing culture of the crop, some interesting background information, um, talk about the ideal cultivation conditions, including things like soil type, air and soil temperatures, uh, whether they prefer to be started from seed or sown directly in the ground or put in a transplant, um, pests and diseases, any special considerations, especially with particular um, growing zones. Those are things that we're really going to dig deep into on each one of these episodes that are crop specific so that you really have a good understanding of uh, how that plant likes to grow and how to effectively grow it in your garden. So let's get started with broccoli. So the scientific name for broccoli is Brassica oleraceae variety italica. So the word broccoli comes from the Italian plural of broccolo, which means the flowering crest of a cabbage. Um, It's an edible green plant in the cabbage family. So the family is Brassicaceae. The genus is Brassica. Um, and it originated in the Eastern Mediterranean region. Others in this family include cauliflower, kale, cabbage, turnips, and Brussels sprouts. There are also a lot of weeds in this family that include hoary cress, pennycress, wild radish, shepherd's purse, and a bunch of other ones. Our modern-day brassicas are basically simply cultivated versions of what we now consider to be weeds. And a lot of those weeds are actually considered edible in a lot of areas. The cultivated variety of broccoli usually has a large flowering head in the center. It's usually dark green. It's sort of arranged in like a tree-like structure that branches out from a very thick stalk, which is usually lighter green. Now, there are uh, sprouting versions of broccoli that they grow sort of more for the looser floral heads. They call that a sprouting broccoli. Um, It's the same family. It's the same genus. It just grows a little bit differently. That's not typically what we think of when we're talking about broccoli specifically in the garden. 
For that type of broccoli, what we call the crown or the head of the broccoli is actually a mass of flower heads. Those little flower heads form the crown when they're tightly clustered together. But as they mature, they spread out and eventually they open up into a bloom and they produce seed. Originally, broccoli was actually eaten for its stems, not for the crown. Now, you may have also heard of broccoli rabe, and this is something completely different. Uh, Rapini is the other name that it goes by. It is a distinct species from broccoli. Uh, it, it forms sort of similar heads, actually very small, much smaller heads, but it's actually a form of uh, turnip. So Brassica rapa, at same family, same genus, but completely different species. One of the things that I want to talk about with each one of these crops that we do also is the cultural significance or ethnobotanical uses for each of these crops. Ethnobotany is the study of a region's plants and their practical uses through like the traditional knowledge of a local culture and its people. Now, I will do this for each one of these crops, but please keep in mind, these uses are cited as a historical and anthropological resource. Do not ever ingest the parts of any plant without being absolutely positive of its effect on the human body. We're not going to cover a lot as far as uh, it weeds in that regard which is usually where you have to worry, um, these different wild plants that are usually collected in certain cultures. It, this doesn't usually apply to vegetables. It's more so flowers and weeds, but always consult an ethnobotanist or a master herbalist before using the parts of any plant that we might consider out of the ordinary. Um, these uses may or may not be backed up by any type of scientific study, but I think it's interesting information to have out there and gives us a little bit more insight into um, the plants that we grow. So broccoli has been used for medicinal properties, for relieving symptoms of arthritis, for supporting the immune system, and for combating bacterial diseases. In certain cultures, broccoli has traditionally been used uh, externally to treat gout and for rheumatism. Uh, there has been a decoction of flowers made and used to treat gas or used as a skin treatment or as a diuretic. And then other cultures make a poultice of the leaves and they use it for cleaning infected wounds. You can pull the, they pull the mid rib um, out of the center of that leaf and then they iron the leaf and make it really hot and then they place it on the wound while it is hot doesn't exactly sound pleasant, but if it works, it works. <laughs> uh, and then both the leaves and the flowers have been used in traditional medicines to treat scurvy. In its more current capacity, we can talk about the nutrition of broccoli. Nutritionally, broccoli is a powerhouse. Uh, it only takes about 2.8 ounces or 80 grams of broccoli to count as a full serving of a vegetable because it is so nutritionally dense. It's also really low in calories. It's only like 35 calories per serving, and it's low in carbs. But at the same time, it prov provides pretty good levels of protein and fiber and a lot of essential minerals. The entire plant is edible, including the leaves. Uh, we have 
you know, harvested these leaves and bunched them and sold them at our markets. You can use them like kale or like spinach, especially when they're really uh, smaller leaves. The smaller ones around the base of the plant after you've harvested the head, you can pull those smaller leaves off. They're still fairly tender, but you can use the larger ones either raw as like a salad or a lettuce wrap or cook it down like a kale or a spinach. And all of the parts of the plant contain those same antioxidants and anti-cancer compounds that broccoli is, is pretty famous for. Unfortunately, there are some downsides to the excessive consumption of broccoli or for some people, just any consumption of broccoli. It can cause gas or stomach discomfort or nausea. Uh, And some people with really sensitive skin can also get a sort of irritation on their skin if they handle fresh or dried broccoli uh, or if they use it for like topical treatments like what we talked about in some of those, those decoctions of the flowers. It does contain a small amount of a natural thyroid stimulant, um, which in small quantities doesn't generally cause a problem, but in really large quantities, it could cause goiter disease, which is that swelling of the thyroid. You mean, you really have to eat a lot of broccoli and I'm not sure I know anybody who likes broccoli that much, uh, but it is something to be aware of. So let's talk about the cultivation uh, of broccoli. That's what we're trying to learn about, right? So the majority of broccoli cultivars are cool weather crops and they do really poorly in hot weather. Broccoli grows best in average daily temperatures between 65 and 75 degrees Fahrenheit. Temperatures that are consistently higher than this will cause them to bolt. This is the main problem that gardeners in warmer climates face when they're planting broccoli in spring. Uh, especially here in the Midwest and places slightly further south of us, you get those unpredictable temperatures in the spring where you sort of get these wide swings of the daily highs. You may have planted your broccoli at exactly the right time, but then if you suddenly have three days where it's 85, 90 degrees, that's going to make that plant want to bolt. So this is the biggest frustration that a lot of spring gardeners um, find with broccoli. For spring plantings, broccoli can be started indoors a few weeks ahead of the last spring frost date. We usually start ours around six to eight weeks before the last frost. They usually germinate uh, within about four days, sometimes up to a week they'll take, but they'll germinate in really wide temperatures, uh, anywhere from 45 to 85 degrees. So it's not one of those crops where you have to have a seed starting mat or something to keep the soil warm while it's germinating. Just throw it in there and let it sit in a dark place and it's going to sprout and it's going to sprout fairly quickly. Um, you're going to, as those transplants or as those, those little plants sprout, make sure that they get a full spectrum spectrum of light, make sure you keep a light source directly above them to keep them from getting long and spindly. Um, We'll do a whole episode on seed starting specifically, but in general, you want to keep your light source a couple of inches away from the tops of the plant to prevent them from stretching to try to reach that, that light. So I keep them well watered during this time and then transplant them at about the time they are four to six weeks old and have about four or five leaves of their true leaves. 
Um, make sure you harden them off. Make sure that you're gradually exposing them to direct sunlight and to wind and reducing their watering before you actually get ready to put them uh, outside. When you do, place them 18 to 24 inches apart in holes that are slightly bigger than the size of the container that you're pulling them from. We always add a little bit of compost to each hole. We make sure that there's good compost out in the soil. Broccoli plants really like a good amount of organic matter and really good fertility in the soil. So plant them 18 to 24 inches apart and then space the rows about 24 to 36 inches apart. So closer spacing will still yield you broccoli, but you'll have smaller main heads, but you'll still get those secondary side shoots after you harvest the main heads if you've got them planted more closely together. So if you're short on space, don't let that prevent you from planting it. Just know that your yield is going to be a little bit smaller. Now you can direct seed or direct sow seeds into the ground in the spring. Uh, you'll do that about two to three weeks before your last frost date, um, or basically as soon as the soil can be worked in the spring if it's not super wet. We're often delayed a little bit. We always do ours in the spring from transplants, and we're delayed sometimes by the early spring rains. Uh, this year, we actually were about two weeks behind where we wanted to be, but the temperatures are pretty much spot on. So uh, we're not we're not really behind behind. It's just not as as early as we would have liked to have been, and that was just based on the how sopping wet the soil was at the time. So if you're if you're sowing them directly into the ground, wait until it's not sopping wet anymore, and about two to three weeks before your last frost date, and look that up depending on what your your hardiness zone is. Um, if you're starting them out, outside, put them about a half inch deep and about three inches apart in your rows. And then once they germinate and they reach a height of about two to three inches, go through and thin them out so that the plants are all spaced, again, about 18 to 24 inches apart. You can thin them either by very gently pulling the seedlings out of the soil, or you can come through with a small pair of precision pruners or a small pair of scissors and just cut them off at the soil height and give them the spacing that they need. Uh, for fall plantings, broccoli can be direct seeded into the garden in midsummer to avoid having to protect seedlings from the heat and protect them from drying out. So uh, it's a little bit easier to do them directly in the ground in the, the, the midsummer for a, a fall harvest. We do a little bit of both. We've done direct sow. And we've also done transplanting. It all depends on what field we've got them in and whether or not we can give them the attention that they need when we do a transplant. Because again, you don't want them to dry out. You want them to be protected. We have to wait a little bit later if we're going to transplant them because they still don't like that, that heat. They can handle it a little bit better when they're smaller plants. And they can certainly handle it better when they're just sprouting. So you want to sow those seeds about 90 days or so before your first fall frost. If you're transplanting, then you're going to want to wait an additional two weeks or so before putting them in the ground in the late summer. Broccoli wants a, a spot in the garden with exposure to full sun. 
And remember from a previous episode, we talked about full sun. It's at least six hours. Broccoli likes six to eight. It doesn't need to be 10 or 12 hours. It doesn't have to be full, full days of sun. Six to eight hours is perfect. Just make sure that they're getting those six to eight hours because if they don't get enough sun, you'll get these thin, leggy plants and some, you know, really tiny, weird little heads. And that's not what we want. They do like moist, fertile soil that is well-draining and put it in a place in your garden where you have not had anything else in the brassica family for at least the past three years, four years, if possible. Again, kale, cabbage, broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, turnips, uh, rutabaga. Those are all in the same family. You don't want them planted in that same space year after year after year. That's a really good way to get pests and diseases to just decimate your crop. So make sure that you don't, haven't had any other of, of those brassica plants planted in that spot for at least the past three years. And again, four years if you can get away with it. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Broccoli likes a soil pH that's slightly acidic, somewhere between 6.0 and 7.0. And this is pretty standard for the majority of your garden crops. They're mostly all going to thrive in that soil pH range. So it's a good idea to be taking soil samples and doing soil tests in the fall before doing a spring planting so that you have some time to amend or adjust your pH according to what you're going to be planting. And of course, broccoli is no exception to this. You're also going to want to fertilize broccoli about three weeks after transplanting seedlings into the garden or about six weeks after they have sprouted directly from seed. Um, provide consistent soil moisture Regular watering, especially during drought conditions, you know, that typical one to one and a half inches per week um, is is required for broccoli, a little bit more so than some of the other brassicas. Broccoli can be a little bit sensitive to not getting enough water. But then also be careful not to let those developing broccoli heads get wet when you're watering because that can encourage them to rot. So try to do um, surface watering as best you can. The roots of broccoli plants are really shallow, so try not to disturb them. You don't want to be cultivating uh, weeds or anything around the roots of those plants because you can very easily uproot them and kill them. So use mulch as best you can to keep those um those weeds down. Uh, mulching around the plants will also help keep the soil temperatures down. And keeping the soil temperatures down, especially around the root zone, is actually going to help a lot with keeping them from bolting when the air temperatures get too high. You can actually have some fairly high root temperatures, I'm sorry, some fairly high air temperatures for a couple of days, but prevent the plant from bolting if you've got a sufficient amount of mulch that keeps it cool. Now remember we talked about in the weed episode 
or the weeding episode um, about the different types of mulch that either cool the soil or heat the soil up. So this is not a crop where you would want to use like a black plastic mulch or a landscape fabric. This is the type of crop that you want to use some compost and then maybe top off with some hay or some straw. That's actually what we do. It's always a really good layer of compost and then a fluffy layer of hay to help keep that soil temperature down, keep the root zone cool, and that will actually help to prevent them from bolting in addition to uh, keeping the soil moist and suffocating those weeds. You also would want to use row covers to minimize pests. This is another thing that we do. We always put a a light row cover over top of the broccoli transplants as soon as they go into the ground. Not only do we have a lot of pressure from deer and from rabbits. I mean, I lost an entire broccoli crop one year overnight um, to deer coming through and just eating them all down because they they enjoyed it so much. Um, So row covers will absolutely help that. And again, it will also help to keep those plants a little bit cool if you're using a breathable row cover, something that is thin, something that's going to let about 85% of the light in, um, but is also going to keep those pests out. And then to promote the growth of side shoots, after the main head has been harvested, you're going to want to continue to maintain a sort of active feeding and watering schedule if you want to continue that harvest through uh, through the entire season. And not necessarily the entire season, but through the life of the plant. I mean, in some areas, if you have, you know, mild summers, you could actually continue to harvest those side shoots um, all season long. We'll talk about that in a minute when we get to harvesting. Um, but you know, in order to do that, you're going to have to continue to feed those plants a little bit and make sure that they are on a watering schedule. Again, if if you are somebody like us who does not water, then mulch is your friend. We do not uh, water our plants out here. We do not have any kind of irrigation system out here on the farm. So we rely on the timing of when we get those plants in the ground. And then we rely on our mulch to make sure that we are keeping all the moisture where it needs to stay. So let's talk about pests. <laughs> uh, broccoli and, and other brassicas, um, but broccoli has has its share of pests that can plague the garden. Some of them are more prevalent in areas of the country than others. Um, some of them will fluctuate a little bit depending on the time of the year you're planting. So this is another thing to pay attention to. If you see that your spring crop ends up with a good amount of pests, but then maybe when you plant a fall crop, they seem to be lessened, then maybe you just skip the spring planting and you only plant in the fall. There's a lot of different crops that are like that, that will have a tendency to attract more of the pests in the spring or in the early summer than if you wait to plant them later on and you've sort of missed that reproduction cycle and you've broken that cycle of those pests and not allowed them to have any place to feed. And okay, great. Well, now you've missed all that. Now you can go ahead and plant safely. So just pay attention to that in your gardens. It's always an experiment, um, you know, trial and error to figure out what does well and when it does well. And that's something to pay attention to is, is the pests. So uh, aphids, aphids are a pest of broccoli. We have not had that as a major issue here. Usually if we're seeing aphids, it's on something like um, like our tomatoes. 
Um, but if you see these curling leaves on your on your broccoli plant, it may mean that the plant's sap is being sucked out by those little buggers. Um, soapy water to all sides of the leaves and all up and down the stem whenever you see any aphids uh, is a good kind of first way to get them knocked off. You can actually spray them off if you have a, a garden hose and you can spray them down, knock them off really good, and then apply that soapy water to keep them from coming back. Um, we use a product called First Saturday Lime. Um, it's a it's a natural insect repellent. It's kind of it's a it's an eco friendly product. It's a, a hydrated lime, but it's not the traditional hydrated lime that's really caustic and dangerous to work with. This one's really non caustic. It's lime and limestone. It's been super filtered to remove any of the silica, so there's, you know, no harmful components in it. It's totally safe. We use it uh, in the gardens for insect pests. We use it around the outside of the house to keep ants from getting in the house. We use it in our chicken coops and in our um, our hog areas uh, to keep the bugs away from them and to help with kind of deodorizing the areas. It has the ability to dry out uh, insects and eggs and larvae, basically dehydrating or desiccating them. And then it just creates an inhospitable place for insects to reproduce. And so they basically just leave. Um, it's also water insoluble. So it dries back out and is effective again after like being rained on. We usually will reapply it Every two to three weeks, if it, we're in a really, really rainy season, um, or at least once a month, that's that's kind of why they call it first Saturday lime. Like you check every first Saturday of the month. That's actually when we clean our chicken coops. And so that's when we reapply it there. Uh, but we use it in the gardens as well. We also use it to help um, with diseases, which I'll talk about uh, here in a second. So that's another really good um, option for keeping aphids off the plant can also release ladybugs. Uh, we do that pretty frequently when we see you've got any kind of an, an aphid problem. Ladybugs uh, are great for aphids. They are voracious eaters of, of aphids, and they will reproduce and stick around uh, to help clean out your, your, your bug problem. You can also think about planting companion flowers like marigolds that attract beneficials that prey on aphids and other pests. Uh, cabbage loopers... And cabbage worms and other worm pests are pretty prevalent. That one is probably our biggest problem here. They'll leave small little holes on the leaves in between the veins. And so that's how you know they are there. Uh, look at the undersides of the leads, the leaves. Uh, you can handpick them if the problem is kind of small. You can also use... Um, it's a natural bacterial pesticide called Bacillus thuringiensis, or BT. Um, we generally just use the floating row covers right after planting um, to make sure that we're sort of keeping them at bay. If they, if you do get them, you know, usually it's from the moths that will actually come in in the early part of the spring and they will lay their eggs and that's what turns them into, you know, they hatch out the little worms keeping the row covers on right away after you plant is a good way to keep them out. You have to make sure they're pretty tight though, because those, those little, uh, moths will continue to kind of bounce along those row covers to try to find a place in. Just be aware when, if you do see that you have any type of a cabbage worm, um, a good, 
way to uh, make sure that you're ridding yourself of those after you harvest is to make sure that you are cleaning or soaking the head of your broccoli in a combination of vinegar and water. Uh, fill your sink up with some cold water, add some, uh, some vinegar to it, and then just let them sit and float. And it'll pull all any little, you know, buggies out of the heads of the broccoli after you've uh, harvested before you eat so you're not adding extra protein to your meal. And then just kind of give it a shake and then rinse it off and it's fine. You won't notice the vinegar and it gets rid of, of any of those pests. But if they if they become a problem, you know, it, they're really bad. Those small holes on the leaves are actually going to interfere with the plant growth. So it's better to get rid of them if you can. Two other problems that you'll see with, with broccoli are flea beetles and white flies. Uh, white flies are, are just more of an annoyance than anything else, but they can help spread disease. And the flea beetles, those will decimate the, the leaves of not just broccoli, but, um, but other plants as well. So trying to keep those at bay is, uh, is a really good idea too. And again, any kind of natural thing that you can use, like that first Saturday lime that we use or, or the BT or, you know, any kind of natural sprays, we are not proponents of chemical means of, of getting rid of, of, uh, insect pests. So it's not something that I'll talk about here because I don't really have a whole lot of experience with it. I will say if that you're going to use pesticides or herbicides, just remember to follow the directions very carefully. One of the things that was beat into our brains uh, in horticulture school was uh, the label is the law. And it's not a suggestion. Uh, the, the way that you use it and the, and the safety precautions that you use when using those uh, chemicals is, is important. It's not a suggestion. It is the way that you absolutely have to use them to protect yourself and to protect the environment and to protect the people around you. So just make sure if you are going to use any type of a chemical pesticide to, uh, to clear your, your garden space of pests that you are following the label uh, because the label is the law. There's not much better than looking out first thing on a sunny morning, gazing at my garden beds over a hot cup of coffee. As U.S. Marines, my husband and I drank a lot of coffee. As farmers, well, let's just say we should probably drink more water. At least we drink much better coffee these days, but it still has a military tie. We have four bags of freshly roasted coffee shipped to us every few weeks from Black Rifle Coffee Company. Black Rifle is a veteran-owned business just like ours, but they serve up premium coffee and ship it around the world. When you join their coffee club, your chosen brew is roasted, packaged, and shipped free to your door on whatever schedule you choose. And with every purchase, they're giving back to military veterans, active duty, law enforcement, and first responders. Ready to check them out? Go to justgrowsomethingpodcast.com slash coffee to save 20% when you join the Black Rifle Coffee Club. No commitments, cancel any time, but I'm pretty sure you won't. That's justgrowsomethingpodcast.com slash coffee for 20% off your coffee club subscription. So broccoli diseases, um, probably the worst one for broccoli and any type of brassica is club root. If you see your plants one day looking fine and the next day they seem wilty and then the next day they seem even more wilty and it's not from a lack of water or too much water. This may be due to this fungus in the soil. 
the entire plant at that point, including all of the roots and the root tendrils, have to be pulled up and removed at that point if it's club root. If the roots are gnarled and misshapen, then it's absolutely club root. You have to act really quickly to remove these plants so that the fungus doesn't continue to live in the soil. Do not compost those plants. Get rid of them. Um, you need to go ahead and raise the pH of your soil to above 7.2 in order to make it an inhospitable area for that fungus to survive. And you may need to sterilize your soil at that point. Uh, it will it will survive in the soil if you don't raise that pH. And this is just another reason why you should really, really make sure to rotate your crops, specifically your brassicas, um, to keep this type of a problem from occurring. Uh, another problem you might see with brassicas, especially when it's really wet or moist weather, is downy mildew. You'll get these sort of yellow patches on the leaves. Try to keep the leaves as dry as possible. Make sure you've got really good air circulation. That's where the spacing of your plants is pretty important. You can also buy uh, resistant varieties to downy mildew. They'll list it on the tag. This is another area where we use first Saturday lime. Um, we use this to help keep those plant leaves dry. We also use it to help adjust the pH a little bit of the plant uh, on the plant surface to uh, make it where the, the the downy mildew or the powdery mildew or whatever it is, the, whatever fungus is trying to, uh, to latch on um, can't survive and they can't reproduce. So it's, that's another, that's another way we use that handy little product. Um, white rust is another one. This is caused by a fungus-like plant pathogen. They're called oomycetes or water mold. White rust sort of looks like these white little blister-like growths that are on the undersides of the leaves and then on the stems of the plant. And then you'll get this, this sort of chlorosis of the leaf surface. Chlorosis is where uh, the, the, the green starts to fade. You start to get this more yellow color. Uh, this will also swell the roots up, although you won't really be able to see that. In really bad cases, it'll deform the flowers or it'll twist or distort the plant. Basically, the, the first line of defense is this is to remove all the places where the spores will hide and reproduce. And this means making sure that you never leave your leftover garden debris um, over winter. Always make sure you're cleaning out your garden beds at the end of the season. And then the second step in controlling white rust fungus is crop rotation. You see a theme here. Yes, crop rotation is especially important for preventing disease. So let's talk about harvesting your broccoli. Uh, once you've gotten past all the bugs and the and the diseases and you've made sure that they didn't bolt and everything else and you get this beautiful broccoli plant and then you have this beautiful crown that appears. Um, you want to harvest your broccoli in the morning when it's cool. And the timing of this is you want to cut that, that head when the buds are still firm and tight. You you don't want them to start opening before you harvest them. So this is going to be sort of just before the head goes to flower. If you see yellow petals, harvest it immediately because at that point, the quality of, the, of your broccoli is going to start to decrease pretty rapidly. 
So when you harvest it, you're going to cut the head from the plant, taking at least six inches of the stem with it. And when you cut it, make the cut slanted on the stalk. This is going to allow the water to slide away from that cut area. If you let water pool in the center of like a flat cut stalk, it may rot the center of it. And that's going to ruin your chances for getting any kind of secondary heads out of this. Uh, most varieties have side shoots that will continue to develop after the main head is harvested. You can harvest from one plant for many weeks and in some cases from spring all the way through the fall if your summer isn't too hot. Again, like talked about earlier, make sure you keep it on a feeding schedule and you continue to water it and you'll have all these little side shoots that will continue to grow throughout the season and you just harvest those as sort of individual florets. You can get quite a few of these off of just one plant throughout the season. Store your broccoli after it's been harvested in the refrigerator, uh, unwashed for up to five days. You know, it, it's it's always a good idea to store these your produce items straight from the garden as unwashed. If you can, it really does preserve them a little bit better and then just wash them prior to use. Again, with broccoli, especially if you're concerned about there being any sort of cabbage worms or anything else in those heads, just fill your sink with some cold water, mix in a little bit of vinegar, just enough to where you can smell it. It's not really, you know, a scientific measurement just until you can you know, kind of sort of smell the vinegar in there and then place those heads in there and let them float around for a good five, 10 minutes. You'll see the little buggies and everything else sort of float out of there and then give it a good shaking, you know, while it's still in the water, swirl it around, pull it out and then rinse it, pat it dry and you're ready to go. You can go ahead and use it right away. Um, if you do wash it before storing it, then just make sure you dry it really, really well. Pat it down really well with a paper towel um, to make sure it's good and dry before you throw it into your crisper drawer in your refrigerator. And then if you're not going to eat it up within those five days, then you can blanch it and freeze it without losing any quality for up to a year. So that's the dirt on broccoli. Um, I hope it's sort of demystified broccoli a little bit for you. I know, again, for those of you who live in slightly warmer climates, the spring broccoli can be a challenge. Just remember that mulching and keeping that root zone cool is going to be your best bet to prevent that. Uh, trying to time it um, to where you're getting them in early enough um, before those fluctuations start to go kind of crazy is also a thing. But again, you know, you, you can't ever really predict uh, the spring weather. We've had times where, you know, it's the end of April and we'll have spikes into the 90s for a couple of days. And that totally ruins any chances that we have of, uh, of getting a full-sized head of broccoli 
out of our plants for our spring crop. But we always make sure that when it does go to bolt, we cut that little mini head out of the center. And that produce makes it produce a bunch of those side shoots because the temperatures never stay at that 90 degrees, right? That's up for three days. And then it, it goes back down again to the 70s, which broccoli is perfectly happy in. So uh, you can, you know, you can always make sure that you get some sort of a harvest out of it. And then try again for the fall. Fall planted broccoli is, uh, well, midsummer planted broccoli for a fall harvest um, is usually easier to deal with. And again, you don't generally have as many of the pests to have to worry about. So thank you so much for joining me on this episode again today. I certainly appreciate you coming along and listening. I hope that uh, this is answering a lot of your questions and that you're enjoying the podcast. And if you are, please make sure to subscribe. And if you can rate or review on your podcast platform, that would even be better. Um, That helps our rankings, helps us get seen by more people who uh, would enjoy a gardening podcast. And if you are enjoying this enough, you can go ahead and share it with your friends. That would be a great thing too. So until next time, my gardening friends, keep on planning your dream garden and we will talk soon. You just finished another episode of the Just Grow Something podcast. I hope these episodes are helping you understand more about how to grow your own food and maybe growing an awareness of food issues in general. Just remember, no matter where you live or what you have, you can absolutely grow something.